new to the Jeremiah Show. It's the Angel Baby Show. This is the story of two sisters talking about the things they love most. Pop culture, social media, entertainment, music, and fashion. And now, the Angel Baby Show, featuring Elise and Ava Lynn. Welcome back to the Angel Baby Show. I'm Ava Lynn. And I'm Elise. We have a super exciting guest, JP Juan Pablo, a director um, who's going to come on and talk to us all about some of his projects, his new ones, his old ones. Um, And then Elise and I were actually extras on one of his projects, so we can talk a little bit about that. It was really fun. Um, But our intro... Today, this morning, was a little bit of a cloudy day. I looked at the calendar and it's literally the first day of fall in like a week, which I can't even believe. I know, I'm so, I'm, I think we're both really in the mood for fall and getting ready for just the, the warm season. And so in this intro, we're actually gonna go through our top fall movies and fall music and just fall things to get excited about this season. Um, But before we get into that, um, just to give a little rundown, I last Friday had a fabulous time talking, going to Ava's acapella performance where Ava, who never brags about herself, has a solo and she sings Megan Trainor's Made You Look and she's amazing in it. She's like, I can feel it. She's so cute. And so um, we have both really fun fall semesters so hopefully with the classes we're taking and the things we're involved with we can really start to share i'm in a playwriting class so i have to write a 10 minute play um i'm in an intro to video art class so i have every week i have to like film something some type of short film um i'm part of a film club and i'm taking all and i'm writing a kind of a little bit of a mini novel for my senior thesis so there's all kinds of fun things in the works at least on my end um ava do you want to talk a little bit about your fall schedule and, and what you have to look forward to yeah actually like you said i had my first acapella solo um it was really fun i had a really fun time with it because it was made you look by megan trainer usually my acapella group does kind of more serious competitive pieces um so we kind of threw this one in for fun and I really got into it, you know, did a little like dance with it. So it was really fun. Um, but thank you, Elise, for coming to that. It meant a lot. Oh my, and then, of course. oh, and of course, you. if you if you haven't noticed, we are playing songs that we're talking about. So Megan Trainer made you look. And then um, we have like September by Earth, Wind and Fire that's coming up on the playlist. So I hope you guys enjoy the playlist because they are curated just for your ears. Um, But yeah, my fall semester looks really fun. I have auditions. I'm hosting auditions for um, my acapella group this weekend, literally tonight. Um, So I would love to that. I would love to be a fly on a wall and like watch people audition for an acapella group. I feel like do they when they audition, do they sing like acapella beats or do they just sing a normal song for an audition? They sing just a normal song, but acapella. Um, I'm it's my first time auditioning people. So I'm excited to see if it's literally gonna be like the pitch perfect since you've been gone, <laughs> Kelly Clarkson compilation. Um so that stay tuned so for that because because I think acapella auditions is something that I never thought I would be a part of, but I'm really excited that I am. Um, but yeah, my fall semester is looking fun. 
Um, hopefully I'm actually going to, um, Tennessee in about a month and I'm going to go to like a Knoxville, Tennessee game, um, against Texas A&M, see some of my old friends, and then hopefully connect that trip and make it out to Nashville to do some gigs. But I always say that and then something falls through. So, so I'll keep you guys, um, tuned, but I would, I yeah, think it's, I'm I think going to Nashville and like, October, November is it just seems like a very hallmarky movie vibe. <laughs> I I love no, to literally. I love watching Ava perform. She's so unbelievable. Hopefully we can get some like recording of her acapella team because they blow me. I never really watched acapella before. And so there's so much to look forward to this fall. Hopefully with each episode we can share a little bit of what we're doing every week. And I had I have to film like this week for my one of my classes like the lawn take where i have to um in movies if you notice sometimes there's just a really long take a lot of times in opening credits with no editing so it's just one shot of a single thing um and that can actually be really hard for filmmakers because that's pretty boring um and so trying to find something interesting to do a lawn take with i have to do some form of labor so i'm gonna probably try to do that today because i have some free time <laughs> but Anyway, it'll be super fun. But before we get back into filmmaking, and I'm super excited to interview JP, we're going to talk a little bit about what I am so excited about, which is fall everything. Fall movies, fall songs. Um, we I went to Starbucks the other day and we there was like all these like apple crisp autumn pumpkin lattes. And so I'm really excited about all of that fell off but um ava do i know you i'm excited for that i'm excited for that too i um i think we're gonna go through some of our favorite fall movies and then some of our favorite fall songs just just yeah, for fun for me we just watched this i feel like we watched it too soon um we watched it before we went to school but when harry met sally yes. um i have i have like a very funny um experience with the first time that I saw that I was like having a very emotional day and so I needed like some me time and I had never seen When Harry Met Sally before and when I watched it I was in a trance I absolutely love the dialogue in that movie the the seasons it feels so fall it feels so homey um so that is like my number one favorite and then I consider well and I think Elise and I both when, do before we get into the rest I just wanted to share with When Harry Met Sally like it's kind of a unique film like it, it's not especially for being from the like 1980s i feel like it's kind of quirky and it reminds me the the dialogue and the structure of it i feel like it's more popular today in films i watch or romantic comedies but i wonder like when that came out like what people thought of it and if it was something i just feel like i've never seen movies like that before from an earlier time period but that dialogue and those two actors billy crystal and meg ryan are just geniuses like i look at them and i'm like i think meg ryan is probably one of the most talented actresses um i've ever seen and so i that movie is not only is it perfect fall vibes but it's actually just a very well done film that anyone should watch if they want to learn more about like dialogue and good banter between two characters that's a great that's a great input because when i watch it i'm not really thinking about like the acting maybe a little bit but i'm sure you have like 
you know, a better appreciation for how hard that dialogue is and to make it seem natural and everything like that. Um, so I love that tidbit. Um, but yeah, my second favorite is a Cinderella story with Hilary Duff and Chad Michael Murray. We um, need to watch that. Like, we need to watch that today. <laughs> literally, it's it's definitely a fall vibe because it's like a Halloween dance, I think is kind of the main like climax of the story. Um, it's a modern interpretation of, um, it's a modern interpretation of Cinderella. So she's like in high school and he's like the popular football quarterback and she's diner girl and she works at the diner. And if, if, if you've never heard of a comfort movie before, I don't think you could have a bigger comfort movie with Cinderella story and Jennifer Coolidge is in it. And it's kind of before she got super famous with the white Lotus and she's still hilarious, but yeah, we. I, to be honest, Ava, I think that's probably my earliest memory of watching a movie. Like, I, I think the Cinderella story might be the first movie I vividly remember watching and over and over and over again. But um, very yeah, wrong. We were we were obsessed with that movie. Still are obsessed. Chad Michael Murray holds a very special place in my heart. Um, yeah. I don't know, Elise, if you have any movies that you want to. Oh, I, I, I do. Yeah. And I can share, I think just one more thing with the Cinderella story, and this is kind of, we've talked about this a little bit before, but you know, I think because of its genre, like romantic comedy, teen ro love story, Cinderella, like it's definitely something that you would never call like critically acclaimed. But to be honest, I find that movie is just very well done through and throughout the acting's good. The, the structure's good. The characters are awesome. I still think about scenes in my head, you know, and it, isn't that funny how like, certain genres can kind of pigeonhole a movie into being like not as respected, I guess we would say. Um, but when I yeah. rewatch that, I, I think it's, don't you think it's a good movie just in terms of like the way it's filmed? And <laughs> yeah, no. And the acting's, the acting's good. I always go back to that. Like when they make rom-coms now, like teenage, you know, high school rom-coms, it just is so bad. It's like what yeah. what happened to like normal normalcy? Everything is just so like weird uh, now. It's very strange. And they don't like they don't talk like that. Like people don't act like that in real life. Whenever I see like teens portraying something that I've experienced, I'm like, that's not how it works. Like nobody talks like that. <laughs> um, but oh, for no. my fall movies, um, my, one of my favorite movies of all time, and it just feels like a fall, maybe a little bit of a winter movie, is Greta Gerwig's adaption of Little Women from 2019. I think growing up with two sisters and my mom, I'm really, that movie, it, it like strikes a chord in me that I, I can't even really describe. I bawled my eyes out in the movie theater. Um, yeah, and it's very, it has beautiful seasons. They're in... Um, I believe Massachusetts. Yeah. They're in Massachusetts and it's a period piece and it's just really well acted film. And I, it kind of gets you in the mood for seasons. And then I, we could not talk about fall movies without talking about, um, <laughs> the classic, it's a great pumpkin, Charlie Brown. Um, do you remember watching those Charlie Brown movies for every season? Ava? I love I love the Charlie Brown movies. It doesn't feel like we've made it to a season until we've watched the Charlie Brown and the Thanksgiving one. I know that's like, yeah. that's after Halloween, but the Thanksgiving one with the pilgrims and yeah. I just, 
I love, I love the Charlie Brown movies. I just saw um, like a crew neck with a little Snoopy and a bunch of fall leaves on it. And I'm like, don't buy it, Ava. Like you have no money. No, I think I I couldn't agree more. I think with the Charlie Brown, um, I, I would love to, I could talk for like hours about, uh, I learned a little bit about the writer who wrote all the characters. And like, I guess he used to watch his little kids interact on the street. Um, back in like the sixties and would write about like Lucy and Lionel and Charlie Brown. I think he himself, I believe I need to go back. He identified with Charlie Brown. So when he was writing Charlie Brown, he kind of felt like that was him. And I know it's like, I love that. That's like such a comfort. Like that is such a piece of my childhood. Um, And, and it's weird. Cause it's mm-hmm. so like, that's what our parents were watching when they were kids. Um, yeah. And that's really impressive to me. Like the, the resilience certain films and things can have. Um, I know it's so timeless. It's adorable. Um, I wish this was timeless, but we do have to go to a break. Um, and afterwards, we're going to talk to JP. It's going to be a great interview. Um, definitely, we'll put some visuals up um, from the set that we were on with him. And, you know, he's just a great guy. So we're really excited to to talk to him, but enjoy some um, earth, wind and fire September. It is September. Um, and next you. Thursday is the 21st night of September. So yep. it get excited. should be good. Should be a good <laughs> night. Um, but I'm Ava Lynn and this is Elise and this is the Angel Baby Show. We will see you in just a few minutes. I could have my Gucci on. everyone welcome back to the angel baby show um i'm elise here with my sister ava and we have a very special guest today we are interviewing juan pablo arias munoz he is a writer director from chile he has tons of accolades we're going to share um i'm so excited to have you in today welcome in um and i'm just going to give a quick little short bio so that everyone can get a sense of what he's known for what he's doing. And we're going to talk a little bit about his career and ask him questions about how he came to be and his success story. So um, you are a writer director from Chile and you draw upon, and I love this fantastical storytelling and magical realism. Um, And you really draw upon your Latin American heritage and create very like emotional and thought provoking films. Um, And so you are here today to talk to us about your current work, your future projects, AFI film festivals, whatever really you want to share. Um, and so I'm super excited to have you in today. So thank, thank you, you so much for, for having me, you guys. This is, this is an awesome opportunity. I'm uh, really excited to talk to you. Awesome. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for coming in. Elise and I actually, fun fact, worked on one of his um, films. It was like shooting a pilot in Palm Springs and um, it was like a pool scene. It was so much fun. 
Like oh, God, so yeah, so many things happening all at once. What is your favorite part about being on set? Oh wow, that's a that's a that's a good question. Um, well, I think there's two things. Uh, one is the the creative aspect. I think there's the idea that you're that just figuring out how to tell a story with how you put the camera and, and how you know like um uh creating a, a language for communicating a story i think that's the most exciting part about being on set uh i think the other thing is just collaborating you know creating with people and and collaborating with your dp with your custom designer with your production designer with your producer collaborating with actors trying to find characters trying to find moment uh, i think that creative aspect of the, the collaboration i think is my is my favorite part my least favorite part is that you're always running against time and and yeah. yes and and you're always late you know that's that's the yeah. thing i don't like but i think the collaboration uh and the the create creative part of it i think it's my favorite it takes yeah. a i feel like it takes so much patience to be on set because you've got to like get every angle and you have to repeat things and you kind of have to keep your energy up. Do you ever struggle with like the long hours or do you just love every minute of it on set? Um, I mean, it's a, it's a struggle. I think, yeah, patience is, patience is key. Uh, that's a, that's a key word mm -hmm. actually. Um, I think part of what you're getting hard to do is to have that patience, you know, and cause as a, as a director, you have, um, you are in charge or responsible for not just the creative aspect of the movie, but also the morale of the team. Right. And like I said before, you're collaborating, uh, you're creating in a group, but everyone's looking at you for answers and everyone's looking at you to see if you know what you're doing, how confident are you in that we're getting what we're getting. Uh, and they really, they really, really, the crew and the cast really respond to your demeanor as a director to know uh how things are going you know so like if you act exasperated if you act frustrated if you uh act like you're insecure like you don't know what you're doing or if you start voicing uh you know your frustrations or if you start yelling at people which some people do i don't do that uh it really takes a toll on 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 the team you know um so i think to answer your question i think patience is key uh I think it's something that you have to develop as a director um, to be able to work under that pressure and to be able to work through with that patience because ultimately everybody's working all the time, you know, and, and if you're not working, that means that the DP is working. And if the DP is not working, that means that the, the production design is working on set. Um, so you have to understand that you're part of a process and it's not, not just you with the actors, you know, and not just yeah. you with the camera and the actors. There's a whole, there's a whole team of people behind um I, yeah sorry go ahead no no i was just i was gonna say that's such a good outlook and i think that's why your films look the way that they do um i actually was interested in your genre um actually the la times said that you are a true promise in the horror genre and i really am just interested in how you got into into horror because i feel like that's such a specific um and twisted fun magical um genre i'd love to hear what brought you into it yeah for sure i think the main thing that brought me to the genre is 
how much um how much space there is to play i think visually audiences are much more forgiving with something that's a little bit more unconventional uh when it when it's with genre rather than with with other with other types of films uh when it's a straight, straightforward drama or even when it's a comedy there's like a very specific language that you have to kind of uh apply execute to tell the story but i think with genre you have a little bit more uh more leeway because you can build that tone you can build that eeriness or you can build that sense of dread with um with uh Uncom with a lot of unconventionality, I think that's a word. It exists. Mm -hmm. um, so that's what I'm attracted to. I I I I love where I try to, for the most part, to think um, things different. You know, like I I think there's there's a few things that you have to do to convey a story, but also there's there's a lot of um, you know, like like telling stories in autopilot, which I think happens a lot in, on TV and on film. Uh, where you kind of see a standard kind of like language. Uh, what attracts me to the genre is the fact that you can do things a little bit different and people will appreciate it. Um, I think that's, that's yeah. the first thing. And, and, and also I think there's fear is, um, is a very interesting emotion. Uh, and I think people respond really well to fear. And especially when, when you combine fear with, with something that's a little bit more, um, mm -hmm with something a little bit deeper you know like uh something to say i think that combination between uh having um having a a horror film and having something to say i think it's it's really special and it's something that at least in my life it has like really stayed with me and and i think in audiences in general whenever you experience that whenever you learn something through that experience of fear that is not just survival mode then then it really becomes interesting that's kind of what um tying into our next question i just want to learn more about um what got you into the world of directing and writing and before i ask kind of what exactly inspired you um kind of with the horror genre which horror directors have you grown up watching that you think just really inspired or taught you like that's how you make a, a scary film or that's how you get people to fear something like i don't know if there's anyone out there no for sure i mean there's tons uh i think um uh the the first few examples of of of, of, a, of a great thriller or horror director that really showed me how to combine a great story uh a deep sense of character uh and and a well-crafted point i guess or 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 like something important to say was him like Shyamalan, like those early Shyamalan films in the 90s um i'm talking about six Sense. i'm talking about the village i'm talking about unbreakable i'm talking about signs you know films that really had a point of view that was very very strong uh and and scripts that were crafted every scene was crafted towards making that point you know uh and it wasn't about the cheap um scarce it wasn't about uh just getting the money 
from from the audience and like giving them a trailer and that's it like just coming to the theater i think there was an experience that was trying to be crafted there and it was crafted with such love that it, it was always interesting to me how he would think of a thriller or a horror movie with so much heart mm-hmm. i think he would be the 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 first person that comes to mind when 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 uh when you ask me that question you know he's he's and, and he's such a rock star you know like he's made yeah. tons and tons of films throughout uh his his big career you know he's had great moments and and i think his particular outlook on on uh on the genre i think is something that i'm i'm attracted to um then later on like more more current um people you have someone like uh uh well films like the witch or film like films like it follows uh films like it comes at night uh yeah. that have a strong visual sense but also have uh something to say you know jordan peels of the world uh the trey edward schultz's of the world mm-hmm. um uh, yeah yeah those are those are some some directors that inspire me that's um and when and when you grew up as a little kid did you kind of always know that you wanted to did you love watching movies did you ever like make films with your friends kind of were you writing stories like when, what were your early signs of oh this is what i want to pursue for the rest of my life um i think the the films were always a big part of my life mm-hmm. you know i think as a kid i we were watching a lot of films with my family um you guys are probably too young to remember blockbuster but that was a thing back when i was a kid uh the the whole world of movies was a thing when i was when i was a kid and i didn't i didn't realize until later that not everybody leaves films like that because they were like a big thing in my in my life so -hmm. when i was around 11 or 12 i realized that i was watching way more movies than i should and that i was getting getting very very absorbed by the world of movies um that i realized that there was something there that uh i'll be perfectly happy with doing the rest of my life and that sort of then it sort of became uh my identity in a way you know uh i would read a lot on films and i would look at films to watch and i would look at lists of like the best films ever made and and that's how i discovered when i was a kid i discovered you know Kubrick and discover Tarantino and then once you once you hear those names and you see those movies and you're and you're you kind of like aspire to be a filmmaker then I think your your world opens up you know your mind just kind of goes completely blown and you yeah. discover what films can be uh and that kind of like sealed the deal for me uh that's that was my my first experience with like film becoming who i am and and then when i was yeah when i was 14 when i was 13 14 you know like playing with the first cameras that i had and 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 making movies with my friends and and then screening them like in the classroom you know like making everybody laugh and it was like mostly just like silly things you know like it wasn't like a like a short film that i would like show anybody right now but i remember the feeling that i the feeling that i get on being on set today on making uh making a big budget film or like a not a big budget but a a million dollar film is exactly the same feeling that i had when i was in my room with a couple friends just like trying to shoot something 
you know, and then yeah. dumping all that footage on the computer and trying to edit it together. Uh, that's my job today. You know, like I still do the same thing and I love it. That's awesome. That's amazing. I, I love um, the progress you see, you know, in your work and just the way that you, you know, your debut film and then now you're working with huge companies with um, huge projects. Um, what is something that you've taken away from just your debut film all the way to where you are now? Um, you guys are asking the, the hard question. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, it's good because I, I mean, I haven't thought about this. That's a great, that's a great question. Um, <laughs> I think what is something that I've taken away since my debut film? Well, I guess you're the feeling that you're always learning. Um, the feeling that you never quite. that you, you're always trying to figure it out, you know, that every scene is different. Every story is different. You kind of know a few things that could work, but at the end of the day, there's, you don't, you don't have all the answers, you know? Um, and I think that that perspective is freeing because then it really allows you to, to, to collaborate more sincerely, you know, to really rely on the people that you work with to, to figure out with you, you know, um, which is a little bit of a contradiction because as a director, you need to know what to do. If no one has an opinion, you have to have, you have to make a decision, you know? Um, but I think that's something that I've, that I sort of keep coming back to is that no matter how many times I've done this, it's still new every time because every scene is new and, and it's, it's, it's a way that you've shot it, that it's, it's not, it's different from everything else. And the challenges are different, you know? Um, but one thing that I've sort of learned as well is to trust the process, you know, because there's, there's a lot of times when you're, I mean, I'm working on an edit right now. Uh, and there are points where I'm like just reminded of my mistakes, you know, like what I didn't do on set or what we didn't have enough time to do or the, where the camera should have been placed differently uh, or the two shots that are not cutting together. Um, and I'm thinking I've had this feeling before, you know, and it always works out somehow mm -hmm. because you just spend time and you keep love to the movie and you're trying to figure out how to, how to work it and how to make it, how to make it work. Uh, and you always figure out and you always have a movie that you, that you like and that you're proud of at the end of the process, you know? So even though you have those feelings, those are the feelings that motivate you to find the answers, you know, so not to not be afraid of those feelings of, um, uncertainty, but allow those feelings of uncertainty to guide a process and then trust that at the end of the process, you'll, you'll have it, you know, that'll, that'll be my answer. That's very That's inspirational. Amazing. Um, and for when you're, when you're casting with actors and actresses, what do you, what are things you really look for when you're just trying to put your whole story together and you, you need people to kind of bring it to life for you? Um, that's another great question. Uh, the, the casting process is really fun. Uh, I think for the most part, you're. for the most part, you're looking for truth, you know, someone who can come in 
and and really show you a version of this character that can be real you know mm -hmm. that as they're saying these words you believe that this person could actually be saying this word and could actually be acting this way uh, you you're just looking for some truth and i think you 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 know it when you see it mm -hmm. you know um you're also looking for interesting choices because if you're seeing 10 actors reading for the same character most of them are going to go to the same uh going to make the same choices because that's what that's what they think you want to see but there'll be one person who comes in with a different take you know and and with something special and with something different uh that works and that you hadn't thought about um and that's the kind of person that you that you want to work with someone who has good taste you know mm -hmm. it's like oh i didn't think about that that's it that's very interesting you know interesting choices are key um that's why when 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 you're an actor coming into an audition i think the last thing you want to think about is uh giving the team that's in front of you the things that you think they want to see right but, but you know go with your gut and go with what you think would be the most interesting or the most truthful uh what makes sense to you and to you as a person and to you with your experience and your background and 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 try to make that character unique to you and and just show up and say this is what i have to offer uh and sometimes it's great and sometimes it doesn't work out just because you're not the right person mm -hmm. but you know when the stars align and you're offering something really important and you're the right person for it um you know i think if you make it truthful to who you are then what you're offering is a version of something that could be right right for the film uh but that doesn't mean that it's it's it'll never be really wrong because it's just who it's it's your version of it you know what i mean right i think it's 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 very interesting that in our field there are no rights or wrong you know there's just like different options uh and when you're when you're coming into um a casting session you're what you're doing is imagining the film with the person that you have in front of you you know and that's a very different film to imagine for every actor that comes in you know mm -hmm. No, well, thank you. That's that's a very interesting because people, you know, I, I think there is something to like. Oh, I want to do what they want. This is they're gonna love this, so I'm gonna. But what you're saying about like truth and try like not to act almost and just be yeah. the most real you possibly can. But yeah, and I we I know you have a lot of future projects in the works, and if like i know some things you can't share some things you can is there anything you would like to share and you would like to talk about or confidential or in the works or to be um yeah i mean i just wrapped the feature uh we shot it in houston uh last month and i'm, I'm in, in the post process right now i'm editing uh it's super exciting it's great uh it's a it's a bit of a blend of genres uh and and we're hoping to have it ready by the end of the year um there's some some really exciting um a, a really exciting cast on it uh that's that's as much as i can say i guess but uh it'd be great to share with you guys once we have it ready well once once it's out in the open we'll talk about it on the podcast awesome yeah yeah we'll have you we'll have you back on and then we'll give it a little give it a little promo but um thank you so that. much yeah thank you so much for joining us today we really appreciate it i know elise you know as an actress and then just hearing your like tips about like casting and then also just directing and the way that you collaborate with other people it's really inspiring so we really appreciate you coming on today and 
Um, we loved working with you for that little that little intro um, uh, pilot session, but um, we really appreciate you coming on today. No, thank you so much, you guys, for for the invitation. I'd love to come back when when the movie's done and and, and yeah. talk a little bit more. We definitely will ask you to come back. Yes, we definitely will. Um, but thank you so much for coming to the Angel Baby Show. I'm Ava Lynn. I'm Elise. <laughs> <laughs> and we loved talking to you, JP. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Thank, thank you. You too. Someone to cure your lonely condition Looking for love in all the wrong places No fine girls, just ugly faces From frustration, first inclination Is to become a monk and leave the situation But every dark tunnel has a light of hope So don't hang yourself with a celibate rope New movies showing, so you're going Could care less about the five you're blowing Theater gets dark just to start the show Then you spot a fine woman sitting in your row She's dressed in yellow, she says hello Come sit next to me, you fine fellow You run over there without a second to lose And what comes next? Hey, bust Hello everybody, my name is Juan Pablo Arias Muñoz. I'm a film writer and director and you're listening to The Angel Babies Show. the angel baby show i'm Evelyn and i'm elise we just had an awesome interview with jp so inspiring he's just the kindest kindest person mm-hmm. ever um if i were in a movie i would definitely want him directing me the way he was like i don't yell at people i'm like that's the director i would want um so anyway we had a great interview with him so go back if you missed it um but elise and i are just going to talk about our careers like we usually do um I'm kind of kind of go off into a little bit of like a inspirational um, changing mindset type of thing because um, I think I've been struggling with finding my love to sing rather than just like be a competitive like singer type of um, mindset. So yeah, I, I think I'll just kind of start off by saying I was in this group voice class in college literally the other day and this girl comes in and it's kind of like all different levels some people sang a lot some people haven't sang at all um and she comes in and she says i've never sung in front of people i don't know what i'm doing um you know i sing in the shower and that's it and you know so we're like okay great you know so she gets up she's super nervous and she starts singing she has the most beautiful face i've ever heard in my life and I literally started getting emotional because I started thinking, you know, she's not coming in here to compete with anyone. She's not trying to hone in on her craft. Like she really is just here to learn about singing and to do it for herself. And that's the way I always was um, with singing. And it just really made me emotional because it kind of makes me think about like, 
the voice and the way I kind of like got thrusted into this, like singing as a job and singing competitively for groups and singing for gigs for money and things like that. And um, that moment just kind of brought me back to why I love singing and just, you know, it, I never used to think of it in like a competitive or, um, you know, mm-hmm. you know, affluent thing in my life. So anyway, it's it a little more like a, like a mental, like I have to do it right. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like a, you know, it's, it's a job in, in, in ways where it's, I'm doing it and I don't want to let people down or let groups down or let anyone down. But I think when you have a job in a creative space, it's really, really easy to forget that it's your passion and to forget that it's what really makes you happy and has gotten you through a lot of things in life. Um, So having those type of moments where even if you're looking at someone else, like, you know, loving to do it just for themselves, those moments are really important, I think, as as you're in entertainment and in creative spaces. Um, and even, you know, if you missed the interview again, like listening to what JP was saying about um, his craft and the way that he, you know, does it in such a pure and, and um, you know, really inspirational way. So anyway, that was kind of my little story that I wanted to share just because I felt like it put me back on track um, for appreciating singing in a way that I feel like I haven't been recently. So, um, yeah, I don't know, Elise, if you have anything to say about, about that. No, I, I think that's such a universal struggle with like all kinds of artistic fields, like writing, especially for me, I wrote so much when I was younger, just because I wanted to, and I wasn't thinking about anything. And now everything I write, I kind of, in the back of my mind, think, okay, I'm going to use this, or this is going to go here. I'm going to put this here. I'm going to send it to this person. And so it's never as good that way because um, just to be creative, to be singing, to be performing, like it's supposed to be fun and entertainment and sometimes making a living off of it or trying to make a living off of it can kind of ruin that magic, I guess. Um, And I think that's why freelance gigs are really nice in a way because you can kind of have that like financial stability of okay if if this doesn't work out i just want to do it because i love it um but you know other people say that they work really good under like a time pressure crunch so i don't know who's to say but but i love that story that like anecdote of that girl because i think that's really what it comes down to at the end of the day and you just have to like clear your mind to kind of remind yourself like why why are you here you know yeah, it definitely just, you know, it it gets hard because it's like uh, people have expectations um, when you do something like the voice or anything like that. You know, I, I remember that a, a guy in my music class, he was like, oh, I'm excited to hear you sing. And I'm like, no, please don't have any expectations. Yeah. <laughs> like, I suck. Well, I think um, you, even if I don't. you've definitely had it way more than most people because you came to our school and you were the girl on the voice like it's just oh Ava she was on the voice oh my gosh like and so it's hard like you will go somewhere and you'll talk to someone and like that's always brought up you know and there's a lot of like pressure to that and it can be irritating because there's so much more to you in your career but um and you know it's it's honestly 
Yeah, I was going to say it's such like a good thing. Like I, it's so it's such an honor for people to like know that about me. But I in high school, like I didn't consider myself like a singer. Like I considered myself someone who liked to sing, but I, mm-hmm. you know, nobody even knew I sung in high school. So I think I'm just really getting used to branding myself as a singer and like being okay with how people interpret my singing. Um, so it's been a long and rocky road, but I'm getting there, I think. So anyway, I wanted to share that story today um, about that girl. Little does she know she is being talked about in my podcast today, <laughs> but, um, no, but I after the break, yeah, after the break, we're going to talk about Elise and successful resumes. Yeah. We're going to talk about if you're an actor, how to get a good resume. And so we'll awesome. be back with the break. everybody welcome back you are listening to the angel baby show and i am here today with my sister ava i'm elise we've had a fantastic interview with a filmmaker director uh, juan pablo and ava just kind of shared a really interesting anecdote kind of about like the struggles of creative and singing because you love it versus singing because of career and now kind of back on like the career side of things i'm going to talk a little bit about um resumes and so for an actor anytime you submit i think most people associate an actor needing headshots but an actor also really needs a resume and this is something that i did not realize until i started submitting for roles and i will just break down some things because it's not your typical linkedin resume it's not your typical um job whatever you're interested in resume but it is similar in some ways and um besides what it is and how what you're supposed to include in it i'm also going to share um how to stand out because the acting world is tough as we all know and you know there's casting directors probably get about 3000 submissions per role and out of these they're probably going to audition what 30 people and then one person and gets that role so so your chances of like getting in a room 
even just to submit yourself is pretty small. And as an actor, you really, there are just like some primary materials you absolutely need. You need a headshot. Um, it depends on how far ahead are you. If you have an agent and you're like an active actor, you need a reel and a resume. Um, and so today I'm going to kind of go into depth of the acting resume and what it's like, the proper format, the do's and don'ts, um, and ways to make it more compelling. So I would say, number one, I'm the queen of like copying. If someone has a really good resume, I just use the same format online. You know, I think building up yourself can just make it complicated and the spacing's already laid out for you. Um, I got mine from Martin Benson, an actor marketing consultant. They have a really like straightforward, clean resume page. Um, and it just, it really should be like a quick, easy look at reference to kind of tell the casting directors your experience special skills. So on for an actor's resume, the first part is your personal information. And what's weird about an actor's resume is not only do you put your contact in contact info in your union, but you have to put like your size, like your weight, your height, how much you everything. And so that's, I think as a girl, you're like, I don't want to tell them how much I weigh, like what? But um, that is something that they want to know. And then you do your credits. And so uh, if you're in theater, you can put it into two sections, but usually you say the name of the production. The, the credits typically from resumes I've seen, it's like, I don't, I can't visually show you, but I will audibly describe it. There's like three parallel lines and you've got the role on the left-hand side. And then usually you have like um, the, the play, on the in the middle and then you have like the company or what it was from whether it was school or not and usually what i try to do is i try to separate okay film and tv theater because i think when you're starting out you'll probably have more theater experience because i'm focusing on film acting right now um and then below the credits you're going to put your education and training so Credits should only be roles that you have played, where you were playing a character and you have lines. Um, training can be, let's say, like I trained at the La Jolla Playhouse and I trained at the Old Globe Shakespeare Studio. So those were not roles I was in. They were just trainings I did. But most casting directors understand that in these trainings and these workshops, you were acting in roles, you were writing monologues. So it's kind of like um, an unspoken rule. Um, and just be careful about like what defines education. Like, don't just put your college, put what acting classes you took in college, you know, really try to just make it about acting. Don't make it about anything else. Um, and then at the bottom, and this is probably one of my favorite things, and this is on Actors Access, you can put special skills. And if you go online to one of those backstage Actors Access, some of the skills they look for are hilarious. It's like juggling, clown, um, skating like uh, literally anything under the sun so if you play piano and it doesn't have to be artistic or what you consider artistic it can be like knitting i'm really good at like, i don't know so um because sometimes that's the thing about these roles it's just so competitive and if you have that one unique niche thing that you know how to do you might have a higher chance of getting cast so go ahead and and put it back out there um so that's kind of the structure a little bit. Um, I think that now I'm going to try to talk a little bit about like selling your part and, and making it like making yourself look different than other ways. In other ways, make it a PDF format, 
has to be easy to read. Use black and white. Don't use colors. Um, try to, I find that the more professional, it looks more professional when your resume is like pretty boring. Like that sounds bad, but if you have pink hearts and stuff, like they might brand you a certain way or they might take you a certain way. And you really just want the work to speak for itself. So unless you want a specific brand, I tend to go for like a black and white thing. And so the number one thing that I have really learned with all of this being said is you can get the formatting, you can get the structure right. But with how competitive it is, um, sometimes you kind of have to get into a mindset and this sounds, it doesn't sound very authentic of not necessarily what I want to show about myself, but what does, what do what did they want to see? Put your mind in the casting director, think of what they're looking for. And you can change up your resume. I've done that before where I'm auditioning for something and I, I changed my resume knowing like, okay, this is the clientele I'm going for. So I'm going to like edit this around. And, um, really try to think about them and what they want and try to make their lives easier. You know, think, okay, they're trying to cast this kid's person. Let me make it as clear and straightforward as possible for these people. Don't try to like win them over with like your person. Like, I guess just try to be as like efficient and professional and clear as you can be, especially in the beginning when they don't know who you are and they don't owe you anything. Um, and then one more note I could probably talk about this for literally my whole life. There's like so much to it and so many layers. And it's hard to, you know, you kind of have to take it case by case with the resume and know like, okay, this is like, how do you know what the casting director is looking for? How do you set yourself apart? Um, while also staying true to yourself because at the end of the day, everyone else is already taken. Like you have to be yourself. You can't go try to be someone else, but you can market yourself in a way that makes it more, you're, you're, more accessible for casting directors to use. And that's it. There's a very fine line to that and it's kind of complicated. So I usually just take the path of, okay, I'm just going to be me and do this and see what happens. Um, but another, another really good tip I learned, and this is a small one, and this doesn't really have anything to do with resumes, but if you're networking, let's say you're trying to talk to your agent, you're trying to talk to an agent, you're trying to network. This can go for anyone. This is this is not an agent thing in it at all. Honestly, Ava, like if you want to email your professors, um, something that I've really learned about because it's such a fast paced industry and people don't have a lot of time trying to make things as simple and efficient for your agent or your boss, et cetera, is essential. And so when you're asking to meet with someone, I, I live by this. When you're asking to meet with someone or talk to them, instead of saying, oh, when are you available and making them have to go to their calendar and check their time, I always provide two times. I provide, are you available Thursday at 6 p.m. or Tuesday at 2 p.m.? And then and usually because I give them those two little dates, they can kind of look there and then go around from there. Um, and that's probably one of the best like success tips I've had because I never wanted to be abrasive and I never wanted to say like, Hey agent, come meet me. Like when, you know, whenever you're available, you want to be chill and easygoing. But I think it, it's a weird tactic that does make their life easier because if I receive an email and they're like, Oh, when are you free? It's like, Oh, I don't know. Like I'll look at my calendar. It's a lot to think about. But if they say, are you free Thursday at two, you know, you can kind of go look and then you're like, okay. Does that make sense? Do you, are you following? Yeah, no, I totally follow. Um, sadly, I, I think we're running out of time. Um, oh, but sorry. no, no, no. I, I wish, honestly, I wish this was at the beginning because this is good stuff. And like you said, I think it applies to a lot of different professional fields. And I think 
the acting field, like, because it's creative, it's like, do I make my resume with hearts? Like, I don't know. Um, So I think tips about that are really, really insightful and really helpful. Um, Maybe we'll even extend this to next episode because I think it's a really, really good topic about like when to be (laughs) creative and crazy and show your personality and maybe when you shouldn't. Um, So I think maybe that's a, that's the next episode. Last episode actually got us to number one again. So thank you with Anna Tolkien. So if you missed that, um, definitely go and watch that episode. She was great. She, she's a really great interviewee. Um, but yeah, I, I sadly, I think we're right at the end of um, the Angel Baby Show today. Um, lots of thank yous. Thank you, Jeremiah Higgins, our executive producer. He corrals us and makes everything happen. And he is a um, a dream a dream maker. And then um, our sound engineer, Dr. D. Richard. We're so grateful for him. Always making us sound good and putting the playlist together. Um, but yeah, I think, um, and then thank you to JP. Um, yeah. I'm excited to, to listen back to that interview. It was a really great interview. Um, thank you guys for listening today. This is the Angel Baby Show. I'm Ava Lynn. And I'm Elise. And we'll see you next time. Listeners, we appreciate you and want to hear from you. Please send us your ideas at Jeremiah at thejeremiahshow.com or on Messenger, on Facebook, or Instagram. The Jeremiah Show is produced by executive producer Jeremiah Higgins and sound producer, engineer Richard Dr. D. Dugan. As always, a big thanks to our station manager, Les Carroll, for letting us on the air at all. And me, your announcer, Tony Kelly. Communicate, listen more, and evolve. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.